This show's wild. <laughs> it, it it seriously is. I, I'm excited for you to finish it just because the last two episodes are so fucking crazy. I, I honestly am too. So I, I did finish episode nine. I'm going to have to try and bite my tongue and not talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. But um yeah, that was that was pretty powerful stuff. A couple of ridiculous parts, but overall, yeah. I mean, you know, you you kind of give it a break, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because of the context, um, but yeah, no, there's uh, there's, you know what? Let's <clears throat> start. Let's get into it. Let's get into <laughs> All it. Right. All right, ready? All right, three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome back to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. Comrade Soyboy, a.k.a. the Soyboy Pseudo-Intellectual. And, as always, in my second seat is my co-host, Ty. Hey, what's up? Hey, you know what? You know what is up is that we're starting off December right now, and um, I, I feel like we just came off of two months of having like a set theme for the month and it's a little exhausting if I can say so myself. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's kind of nice that uh, I think December is going to be a little more loose for us and we can have a little more fun with it uh, since we tackled some pretty heavy topics over the last few weeks. Yes, a lot. And, uh, and I'm glad that I've learned a lot from them. So that's Same. been awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to, uh, you know, to review today uh, one of several Grinch films that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> I fucking wish, dude. I don't, I'm telling you, fans, it, blame blame <laughs> the fun police, Ty, all right, for, for not allowing us to do. There's only three versions. versions. Okay, there's. There's the sequel, but that doesn't count. There's a sequel? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you poked the you poked the hornet's nest, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> the Grinch returns. But okay, so there's there's the Jim Carrey one. There's the original animated one. There's, there's the new the, one. There's the CGI animated one, and, and there's it. the book. Oh, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know you got to get up pretty early. Yeah. At this point, if we if we do it for December, we could just do two versions, and because. <laughs> Because we get you know four what, twenty minute episodes if we because do today <laughs> because today we're reviewing episodes seven and eight of Lovecraft Country and then uh, next episode we're gonna do nine and ten of Lovecraft Country and it's only because guys we really wanted to finish them all in one episode but there's so some of us stayed content. up till four in the morning watching there's them last so night so much content guys so much content that it was impossible to get through. You really should have told me that. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> That's why I was like, you only want to do two? <laughs> as, you as his bloodshot eyes, one of them is twitching. Oh, boy. Hey. Uh, well, um, I'm excited. There's a, there's a lot to decompress here. There, there, there is. So, so with that being said, just want to remind all the listeners here, uh, our Patreon is live. Go and uh, go and subscribe. We have three different tiers. For as little as three dollars a month, you can support the podcast, and uh, you also get a, a free. Well, not free, but you know, you get a a, a, a cool. <laughs> it's one of the many benefits that you donate for. You get an audio booch, which is my own version of an audio book uh, that I am currently narrating. Um, so, uh, so yeah, among other things, but 
we're not gonna we're not gonna go over that too much in this episode because that's you know it's more of a housekeeping thing. You know we have a Patreon. Go go grab it if you want. Um, that being said, we are oh we're at zero patrons. I was going to the page just to see if there's any shoutouts <laughs> I needed to do, but uh, nope, we're good. Um, <laughs> so you could be the first if you're listening right absolutely, now. Absolutely, yes. And uh, listeners, I also want to remind you to uh, please like and subscribe if you're listening to this on YouTube. If you uh, if you're listening to this on any on anything else, any other platform, uh, just leave a rate and review. Subscribe to the podcast, even if you're not listening to every episode as it comes out. Just the downloads really help us get noticed in all the different algorithms that we are a part of, and more people get to listen to the stuff that you get to listen to and the stuff you like because you know. Hopefully, if you're listening to us, it's because you like us. It's not yeah. because you're developing like a counter podcast, you know, like like an alternate where they're like, "All right, this week on the Politipop podcast, let me tell you how much these guys sucked." Like, <laughs> the Unpolitipop podcast. Oh boy. Oh, like the politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> Oh God! There's so many ways you can take that. There are. The, the, <laughs> We're doing the, political correctness. Fuck that podcast. <laughs> Oh man, um, but uh, but yeah, so 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 do those things. Those of you who are listening, thanks so much for your support. It really means a lot to us. It does. Uh, in in this podcast, we're going to be reviewing episodes seven and eight of Lovecraft Country. Um, the by now it's already been done, but you know we got held up with the horror month in October and our Indigenous Spotlight Month, uh, named very well by a co-host high hey. uh, month, which was which was in November. So. Uh, so that so that brings us here, finishing yeah. up Lovecraft Country. Just We're returning. It easy. We're coming back. Yeah, yeah, you know. And um, you know, that being said, oh my God, Ty, do you hear that thing? Oh my God, I do hear it. That thing. What do you think it is? <laughs> I think that thing might be. Oh gosh, I think it's a spoiler warning. Indeed, it is the spoiler warning, Ty. So if you have been following the first season and maybe only, I don't know how that's working, yeah. of uh, Lovecraft Country, <laughs> then. Oh, hopefully only honestly but we'll talk about that in a bit of lovecraft country uh please watch those episodes before you listen to us talk about them uh seven seven and eight is what we're reviewing this episode and there, there may be some leaks of nine i'm not i'm not gonna make any promises to the rest <laughs> of you. um but uh but yeah so so that spoiler alert that spoiler warning is out there i am phoning it in and ty is picking up all of my slack really really bringing in the 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 top-notch acting that i usually bring to your ears so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, se- seven and eight happen. It was kind of jarring to just get right back into it because it had been so long since we since we reviewed it. We left off on an episode that was a flashback mostly. So that's why I almost feel like it was a good way to jump back because like the last episode was uh, was kind of like a side story almost. I mean, they're all side stories, really. It feels like sometimes, but uh, like it was in the past. So we yeah, jump back in. And it's like, all right, welcome back to you know present day. And see where we're going, you know. Um, I, and I think there's there's a definite like shift in I, I wouldn't say tone, maybe quality uh, from like episode six on, where I feel like it gets a lot more serious in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I I just I'm really enjoying these episodes. I, I had I had some gripes with some of the earlier ones, like the Indiana Jones esque like kind of adventure and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the horror honestly gets stepped up a lot in here. Get you know. Does uh, it ever? Right. Like Does episode, it ever? Episode seven kind of hits like that cosmic horror a little bit. Um, though it winds up being more like kind of adventure filled, 
which was kind of fun. And then episode eight has some genuinely scary moments, um, which I thought was was pretty cool. Yeah, dude, that that is such a, a great way to describe them. I'm not I'm not even gonna 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 try and build on that. But um, but yeah, I was I was wondering whether or not you would say like they get better because I thought that word was gonna come out of your mouth and it almost came out of mine, but. Like there, there are some things that I'm not a huge fan of with these episodes, but the stuff that I like, I really, yeah. really like, and uh, and that's fucking it. That's just what I'm gonna take for uh, for now, and and um and and work with that. So there, there are several characters. I've I've found that the the best way to go through stories now is to just review the character arcs. So, um, are there any that you want to talk about in particular, Ty? Uh, I think we should talk about. Uh... Uh, Hippo, Hippo, oh God, how do you say her name? Hippolyta. I, I actually, I prefer to say Hippolyta, but they do say several times it's Hippolyta. They do, considering yeah. Considering a definitely. huge theme of the episode is her proudly naming herself. <laughs> so I guess we'll go based on how she names herself, yeah, right? It wouldn't be a good look for me to be like, I don't want to call her Hippolyta despite we'll just her. Mansplain <laughs> you real quick why that's not your name. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Because um, episode but, but, seven yeah. really is like her spotlight. It's it's almost you know entirely about her story. I think I I I feel like I missed parts of her story because like I don't remember her uh, doing that much work and and finding out about how George died. But I guess she did uh, somewhere along the way while I wasn't paying attention. And it turns out that she has a beautiful mind, which is awesome. Yes. Um. You know she. Uh, Honestly, this this stuff here where she's trying to connect the dots and figure out the mathematics of this machine that she found and everything, I honestly wasn't that into it. Okay. But but what follows blew my mind and brought me to tears several times. Nice. Um, But... Um, but They they did allude to a lot of, like, her her genius in earlier episodes. It just wasn't... I think it, it purposely wasn't important to us because... Much like she felt kind of stifled in her marriage where she had to kind of reduce her own self. Uh, I think that's kind of what happened in the show. Like she wasn't a big part of the story or or a focus of it until her husband's gone. And she has to kind of like step forward and and reclaim her, you know, her identity and, and kind of become like a more powerful figure. So I thought they did a good job kind of kind of doing that, you know, and then obviously the journey she experiences in episode seven is pretty wild. Oh yeah, the way in which she does reclaim her identity, or you, some may argue, claiming it for the first time ever, yeah. is by by tracking down the coordinates of what looks like an H.G. Wells esque time machine. Um, actually, I'm not going to assume to know what an H.G. Wells one looks like <laughs> compared to other ones. It's no DeLorean, I'll say that. Um, but uh, but like I I can only assume that given the period and everything, it's definitely like you know a, a nod to Wells. Uh, but um. But yeah, so so she, you know, she ends up getting involved in this in this scuffle. Atticus Atticus is there. A cop gets shot. Um, you know, the the comic book of doom that's left at all crime scenes, whether it's a house burning down or a cop being shot, the comic book is always left there. Um, but she uh, she ends up um, she ends up being being sent through a, a Thor Ragnarok esque portal. Uh, right through the devil's anus and into into multiple times in, into this this kind of like space opera adventure and she's in this in what seems like this intergalactic like like this 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 cell inside of a spaceship and she has oh to when, when she con- is confronted by like the Afro 
being, right, from another the universe. cyborg Yeah, who, who's, um, who's like, God? Uh, you want it to be a prison, right? She says that to her. Yes, yeah. And uh, by the way, very reminiscent of uh, Garnet from Steven Universe, if any of you have watched that. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, Space Lady, huge, huge, amazing fro. Um, yeah, and these words kind of kind of sit with uh, Hippolyta as she as she um, you know she starts discovering that there are parts of the room that that she can use to uh, to to kind of you know bend reality and change things and and she's she's figuring it out and in doing so she ends up being put into uh, into to other realities to name herself. Oh, I did really love that she was u- using the universal language of mathematics to figure stuff out. Um, you know, I, I've listened to a good amount of Star Talk in my time. You know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he does say that the universal language is mathematics, which which does so, make sense, you know, because I'm fucked. <laughs> uh, a lot of us are uh, because like regardless of what language it, it's in, like reality is reality. And like if you're speaking English, Spanish, Dutch, whatever, one drop of water is still one drop of water or, or you know, one stone is still one stone, like, you know, no matter what. So she's using that language to kind of what about miles kind of, and uh kilometers and all that so the amount of distance is the same um okay the arrogance of the united states <laughs> i mean <laughs> like technically the distance is the same what you call it may not be yes, the same yes. but the distance is the same um but that's actually that's definitely more of a question for mr degrass tyson <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so her first fantasy she she says like like where she wants to be and she says she wants to be dancing with josephine baker in france so yeah i, I feel like she kind of says it like almost like uh you know sarcastically like she doesn't actually think anything's gonna come of it you know and then oh, and, and yet so much does yeah <laughs> um now I I had to go on a little journey of discovery to find out who the hell Josephine Baker was. Now Ooh, tell I, I'm us pretty more. sure I've, I've seen her image. That I will, Tyler. Uh, I pretty I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've seen her image uh, in a few different places. I might have learned about her in a class here or there. But Josephine Baker was an incredibly uh, famous performer uh, who was part of the Harlem Harlem Renaissance. Uh, she was I believe a mixed race, but she was she was black. She presented as black. Right. Uh, she made sure that a big part of her act was uh, was black and authentic to African culture, which was an act of rebellion in itself because the majority of her audience tie is white. Exactly. She she actually while she was performing uh, in, in you know overseas, she spied for the French during World War II, uh, and uh, also when she got back to the United States, she refused to perform for segregated crowds. Wow. So that forced club owners to either you know give up the money they would make or integrate the crowds uh, and allow black people into their clubs that are normally meant for only white people. That's and, badass. Um, Yes. And uh, and like so the wild thing was uh, so I was reading more about her and she had that much pull as a performer like she kept her style so authentic despite most of her crowds being white. But like this is just a great example of recent history in which activists with their celebrity they can use it they can leverage it and use their platform to spread awareness. And um, you know so she has an incredibly important place in history as an activist as a fucking spy as a performer as you know as just an amazing person and i pulled this quote that uh that came from a a short bio that you'll find in the show notes she says you know friends that i do not lie to you when i tell you that i have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents and much more but i could not walk into a hotel in america and get a cup of coffee and that made me mad Hmm. so 
Hippolyta has this moment of discovery dancing alongside this woman, becoming like the best version of herself that she never got to be. And, you know, she's, you know, she's she's having a good time with all the other ladies dancing, you know, traveling, globetrotting, smoking weed and shit like she's living a great life. And and she comes to this moment where she realizes, like, how much of her life has actually been a, a prison, how much of her civilian life of just, you know, she thought she was happy just being a mother and a wife and a big part of her was and that is who 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 she is but also she missed so much of herself and you know said you know <clears throat> i was did she say i was the good negro wife they wanted me to be um i think or am so, I paraphrasing uh, something along those lines i'm not sure if that was the exact quote and and just just that alone was like very i don't know very telling to me how like we all kind of have this inner white supremacy just by default even if we're black we still see ourselves through the lens of our oppressors because of the society in which we're raised. And I was like, um, I don't know, I would go Sean King there for a second. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I thought that that was very telling. And she says, like, I hate white people. I want to kill all white people. I'm not going to confirm or deny whether or not I was with her on it. But, um, <laughs> she, <laughs> um, but uh, hey, you know, listen. The co-host of my show is, is white. I can yeah, say. it's all right. My girlfriend says it to me sometimes, so it's fine. <laughs> so she doesn't say it directly to you. I want to kill you, white person. Um, and then, uh, and then, so so she names herself there, and it's very powerful. And she says, "I am Hippolyta." And for those of you who don't know, Hippolyta has a place in Greek mythology. She was the queen of the Amazons. She was one of the, of the Amazon. Wow, Amazons. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was the queen of the Amazons, and she uh, was the was the daughter of Ares, actually, the god of war, and um, she she was also involved in one of the one of the trials, uh, one of you know one of the great tasks of uh, Heracles. But uh, that story didn't necessarily end well for her. But point is that Hippolyta, mm. the name itself, is based on a very powerful figure. I mean, you know, in all the Wonder Woman lore, Hippolyta is the mother of yeah. Wonder Woman. And then next, she she names herself and and finds herself in the midst of this this like powerful like African tribe, and and she's she's getting beaten up and trained and spoken to and encouraged by by Nawi. Uh, did you did you find out anything about this? Did you know anything about? I I didn't know uh, much about it. No, I I did find it very jarring. I wasn't expecting this. Um this transition, you know, to this like time period and this situation, but I thought it was really, I mean, it was a cool, cool scene. It really played out really well uh, with, you know, her trying to teach uh, Hippolyta and all these other, you know, women how to be strong and how to fight and how you have to always get back up uh, no matter what. Yeah. And, um, and it, in real life, Nawi was actually, and yeah, she's given like she's also given these definitions of of like what freedom is. Like they tell you that you're free, but you're only free to exist a certain way within their society. And you know, this is you know this this isn't a new sentiment. You know, it's it go it's in a lot of anarchist texts as well, and you know, beliefs of just like yeah, like you're. It's also actually I think in like a lot of white supremacist texts, unfortunately. Mm. Um, like you remember in, in in Watchmen when they were like, oh, like you know. You know, uh, you know that tyrant Redford. You know he's taking up all. You know less land we can hunt, less guns we can own. We're not free. Blah blah blah. You know now now he's saying you're only free to be who 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 you are in their society. You can't go outside of that. And uh, you know it's something that you and I have discussed also. Like yeah, you're free to vote for a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, you're free to work or die in this society. Like you're free to do exactly what they tell you to do. And really, there isn't as much freedom as as we believe. No. Um. 
1978 interview in the village of Quinta, a Bananese historian met Nawi, who claimed to have fought the French in 1892. Nawi died in November 1979, aged well over 100. Wow. Uh, so speaking of their campaign against the French, which actually happened in real life, unfortunately, that's how they were, they were most of them were wiped out. Um, you know, losing in melee combat after being, you know, shot and uh, having bayonets used on them. Uh, they, you know, they didn't really do too, they didn't fare too well. Like hand-to-hand combat, they were great, and it was noted by the Europeans, like just how how amazing these warriors were. But, you know, when it came to superior technology, it, it just took them down eventually. Instead of Nawi leading them in this version in Lovecraft Country, it's Hippolyta. And just like... Just really seeing that she's made this this powerful transformation. And I'm so glad that they showed it to us instead of just like having her go into the portal and then a couple episodes later come back out of nowhere. And she's yeah. like, Oh, by the way, I'm amazing. <laughs> like I'm yeah. glad they went into it and gave us gave us the time because she has been such an underused character. And this episode is such a great moment, not only for Hippolyta, but also for Anjanu Ellis. She's uh, she's the actor who plays her and she shines in this episode and I think they do a really great job also of of uh, you know, uh, body posit- positivity representation because you know they're playing Amazons, and yet Hippolyta does not look like Al Gadot physically. Like no. you know, her character is meant to be you know a bit of an older woman. Well, even and, when she was in like with Josephine Baker, right? Like, yep, you know, yep. she's dancing on stage with all these very you know skinny petite girls, and and nobody's saying anything about her body. They're just like get the fucking dance right, you know. And then they were all cool there. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And uh, and I thought that that was awesome. They didn't shy away from it, and you know, there's parts where you can see like. You know, like a, a couple of rolls might be coming out of her armor, but like it's just really cool to see a real body. Yeah, and um, she looked badass. Honestly, like that was so. A, it was a really cool, cool scene, oh right? My God, man, yes. And they give her the the fucking like the helmet with with all the like the the dress dressery dress, you know feathers on it. It was yeah. awesome. I was. I was like, I was all about it, and and you know, she gives this amazing speech, uh, which I don't have quoted up, but watch the episode. It's it's honestly, if you've never seen Lovecraft Country. You could just watch that episode. You can watch episode six also on your like. You'll, yeah, they kind of stand alone. Yeah. Um, however, if you watch just those two episodes, you will hate Atticus as a person. Yes. Because uh, not still only hate does him. he, I hate him. He commit war crimes, but he also uh, turns out to to throw around homophobic slurs. But we'll get to his yeah, character yeah. in a we bit. We will. We will. Um, <laughs> you know, the next the next part is also pretty pretty important, right? Where she she decides to. Uh, be with her husband George one more time, right? Like laying in bed with him, and um, you know, just just being near him again now that you know he's been he's passed away, and it, it really kind of took me by surprise. But I, I'm glad they did it. Was when she had this like really great heart to heart with him about, which I mentioned a little earlier. You know, her kind of like stifling her herself, her identity to be his wife, to be a good you know Negro wife, as as you said, like she kind of quoted in there. Um, and you know, she finally admits that. Like, you God, know, I hope she fucking said that, man. <laughs> now, now I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, Mike's just throwing around. Me. This isn't a good month for me, man. I've done some problematic shit. You're about to get canceled, dude. Uh, this is the Flow Pop Podcast, and I'm your only host, Ty. A trip to Cancelvania. <laughs> yep, that's it. No, uh, but yeah, you know, she she has this heart to heart with him, and and explains how you know she has aspirations and there's things that, that she's wanted to do that she hasn't been able to. She's been a, a wife and a mother um, and, and, you know, in America already being held down there. And, you know, I, I don't think he ever meant to do that to her because they had a, they had real love. And, you know, 
in this moment he he had you know he understands that and he he really does you know say you know he apologizes because he didn't he never realized she felt this way um and it's just sad that she never got to do this with her real version of him because it because i get this is less timeline stuff and more other worlds right it's like very dark towery um you know yeah like, oh dude it's so fucking funny you said that if you saw my notes uh, oh really <laughs> <laughs> yep That's yeah funny. but no you no, you're you're I think you're spot on in saying that it is very dark towery where like it doesn't seem like it's her literally going back in time. It seems like it's more her exploring alternate worlds. Yeah. And you know, so she's trying to name herself. This is kind of like her last step to finding who she is, you know? Um, and, And truly, you know, like you said, claiming her identity, um, is having this conversation with him. And, you know, it, it goes from here to this, like, really trippy, like, space exploration where she's actually uh, taking on the role of her daughter's, like, comic book character, right? And, yes. like, like oh. they're exploring space and, like, you know, meeting different types of, uh, you know, uh, creatures and, and just, like, you know, going on this, this wacky adventure. It feels like straight out of a comic book. And they're playing this, uh, this dialogue in the background from this movie space is the place i don't know if you did any research on this but i did a little bit i actually did not on this and I'm okay you did so <laughs> cool. awesome Let's yes do this. so uh tell me about it son i think his name's sun ra he was uh, an american jazz composer and he actually starred in the film i believe he also wrote it he wrote all his own lines um and it it's kind of a wacky wacky film concept uh he's a Space age prophet, jester, shaman, philosopher, and avant-garde uh, jazz keyboardist band leader, who's been in space and he's been missing for many years. He he lands in Oakland, um, and Black Power's on the rise. He proclaims himself the Alter Destiny, and holds a myth versus reality Ooh, rap hold session. Hold on, hold on. Really sorry. What? Um, we're good, guys. We are good. Oh, you you looked it up. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. Boom. All right, good. I'm good. Not okay. canceled, buddy. So, you, still get the, <laughs> you still get to host the podcast. Ooh, um, maybe that was close. I was like, I was like, uh, I was like Jordan Peele in that sketch where he's sweating and everything. I had to find it. You're like, I know, no, you let me tell you about this intergalactic rap battle. And I'm like, come on, motherfucker. <laughs> like, let me just get this fucking dialogue. Um, uh, but sorry, sorry. Didn't, didn't no. Yeah, so he, he holds a myth versus reality rap session with black inner city youth. Then uh, I think some white folks try to send agents to assassinate him. But he vanishes, taking, like, I guess, all the black people with him as the. I know this is going to be a crazy story, but. um, uh, Sorry, a crazy question. This is a book, a movie? It's a a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. Yeah. So, honestly, I wasn't sure if it could be real life. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's a sci fi music film, right? So, so they use the dialogue from it in the back. And I actually did write down like some of the specific lines that they used. Uh, yeah. Um, they were very powerful. Feel yeah. Free to share them, please. So like Hippolyta is like floating weightless through space, yada, yada, yada. And you hear Sun Ra's voice say, um, so Sun Ra says, you don't exist in this society. If you did, your people wouldn't be seeking equal rights. You're not real. If you were real, you'd have some status amongst the nations of the world. So we're both myths. I did not come to you as reality, come to you as the myth, because that's what black people are, myths. And that was just such a, obviously, you know, a, a powerful statement to make. And it comes from, you know, this 1974 black exploitation film, but it works really well here. Um, you know, just discussing, you know, what, 
what black people have become to white people, you know, to, to American society. They're, they're not real, right? There's all these, these, these false beliefs about who they are and what they are and what they do, um, especially in Jim Crow era America. Yeah, and I mean, you could even look at the person who knows only one black person. Now that one black person is every black person to them. You know, yep, so if yep. you've had a good if you've had a good relationship with a black person, every black person to you is automatically good. And if you you know, if you had a less than stellar experience, then boom, that's everyone. Like even one person can create or perpetuate a myth, which is just so much pressure on on one person. Like, you know, it's the it's the weight on their shoulders of an entire ethnicity, an entire identity. It's you know, it's 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 a lot, but yeah, that was I that was a similar interpretation that I had of it, the the myths line. And I would also like to make an extra note, uh, talking about body positivity, where George uh, makes his makes his resurgence re- appearance return. That makes more sense. Back to the episode, uh, he also has a little bit of man titty going on. And you <laughs> know what? It was great to just see representation on screen uh, as somebody with incredible uh, man titties. I just I just want to say it was great to to see representation. But uh, but yeah, also the you know just I know that we're on, on the space part, but it was also interesting to see George kind of uh, confront his own misogyny and stifling his wife's growth, like. Um, you know, it, to him, it might not have been that, but I think, you know, she would have loved to have gone on those guide trips with him and knowing, yeah. now seeing her potential as to what a strong individual she was capable of becoming if given the means, which, you know, I don't think it's just indicative of her character, but maybe more so, you know, when we talk about women of color in general, right? Um, we talk about representation and stuff. Uh, which actually we're gonna we're gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about representations in media when we discuss uh, D's arc as well. Nice, uh, nice. But but yeah, so so Hippolyta, I I really loved that that whole sequence, and right. you know I, I guess we can bring her back up when we discuss D later. Yeah, I, I mean the only thing I was gonna say the last moment of, of that episode is you know she she now has you know uh, traversed across you know different realities you know different different worlds and uh, she's earned a place amongst these higher beings. Um, and you know, they give her the choice because she's, you know, she finally has named herself. Um, and she does choose to go back to earth to be with her daughter. And I thought that was quite the, the sacrifice she made. She could have been this all knowing, all powerful being, but she does decide to go back home and, and, you know, protect her daughter. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, towards the end of the episode and, and, uh, I guess her like last moment that we see for a while. How great of a short film would that have been too, dude? Like, Yeah, it would have been. It's amazing what you can do with storytelling when done effectively and like that like that episode alone could have been could have been some sort of short film or something. Like it was I think that was so great and I didn't feel one way or the other toward Hippolyta when she was in the first episode, but like damn if she she isn't like one of my top 3 favorite characters right now. You know, you know what's funny? I think they did such a good job with the episode, but I don't know that I liked it. Isn't that it's interesting, right? That's that's a fair, that's a fair one. Only because I feel like there's only ten episodes, and every episode is like another character study, which is which is fine. But like, there's, you know, it's it's very hard to know like what the main plot of the story is. Like, where is it? Like, I never know where it's going. I feel like uh, that's I guess my biggest complaint with the show. It's like they just keep you know distracting you from from where the you know the main the main story is supposed to be going. Well, I mean that I think I think that's a that's a very a very fair 
I don't even want to say it to critique because it's just what they do. It's yeah. just an assessment of the story. Um, you know, I do think they do their best work when they dis- when they focus on individual characters. True. And you know, and it's great to see them leaning into that, like they did with with Hippolyta and like they did with uh, with the Kamiho in Episode Six. You know, Gia. Um, but you know, and like they did with uh, Ruby and and Dell and everything. But also. I do not see like kind of a main story. Like I, I guess they're like, oh, it's the Adam thing. But also, I I do not give a shit about that story. I'm gonna be yeah. honest. Like I know <laughs> it's the, the main part of it. I really I and I'm not saying anything against um you know Jonathan Major's performance as Atticus. I think I think he's great. I think the acting is great in this this show. But Atticus as a character, I'm just not a huge fan of. Like, yeah, so I it's hard to root for him. Really it really is. He's, yeah, he's very toxic, um, and I know that's supposed to be on purpose, but you know he just has a lot of really negative traits um, and and a lot of negative actions that he takes. Did you want to talk about him next? Since we're just kind of going into it. Yeah, why not? The thing with Atticus is so a big part of this episode seven is he finds out that his father Montrose is gay. Yeah, it's a big moment. It's a very big moment. He literally walks in on him, like, having a fight with his boyfriend, right? And it's pretty shocking. Not only having a fight with his boyfriend, but in a vulnerable moment in which he's asking his boyfriend to come back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll go over, maybe we could do Montrose and Atticus at the same time. We'll see. Basically, you know, Montrose, Montrose is, is having a come to Jesus moment with his own identity as well as we discovered in prior episodes and this scene he's having a fight with his boyfriend because whenever he gets close to this man Sammy uh, he ends up kind of fucking things up because that he's just too afraid to show any vulnerability and um, you know I think you know he, he he puts a lot of this into into Atticus as well but I, I think I think my issue with with Atticus finding out about this you know obviously he's he's feeling he's feeling lots of different ways and you know he says the f word and not the f fuck word the f word that's a, a homophobic slur the word that means a uh, cigarette in england yes the word that rhymes with uh bob saget's last name and um he says it and oh man it it is it's it's really tense because you can see why atticus is mad but you can also like see why it's not okay for him to say that like your problem with your father is that your father is the fucking worst not that he's gay yeah but you know what i don't think he even means to be like you know he's just trying to find the most hurtful thing he can say he's trying to be hurtful you're yeah you know like i think we've all been in that place where we say something we really don't want to you know, because we know how bad it is, but we're just trying to hurt somebody who's hurt us. You know, and and his I don't dad, imagine you've ever been in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, my my dad literally came out as gay. You know, and so a lot of the questions I think that Atticus has about his father are questions in the back of my mind. You know, so I I understand where he's coming from. Um, you know, I didn't ever really confronted my dad about it the way Atticus does. So, you know, we never had that a moment where I asked these things. But I definitely get where he's coming from. You know, he's he's especially because he's been beaten by him, you know, told not to be soft, you know, so to speak. And like, you know, to find out that it's really his dad's own reservations about his true identity that he he took out on Atticus as a child. You know, that's that's frustrating. It's angering. And then, you know, there's the thoughts of did he cheat on his mom with somebody? You know, did his mom know that that uh, that Montrose was gay? You know, these are these are all like racing through his head and he's already had a tense relationship with his father. Um, and now he feels this, you know, this betrayal. 
you know, and in, in, in a way that he discovered it, you know, his father didn't even tell him he, he walked into it. So it's, you know, there's a lot of emotions going through him and he does use this hateful word. Um, and again, I don't, I don't know necessarily that he actually hates gay people. It's just, he wants I don't to hurt think his he dad. Does it all. I don't, th- I don't think that's him at all. He just, yeah, like you said, he really wanted to hurt his father and, um, and it, you know, and it does get to him, you know, and he said, he says, you know, I'm your, I'm your father. Don't you ever call me by, you know, by, by, don't you ever call me out of my name? He says, you know, yeah. don't, don't ever call me anything different. No nicknames. No. And, and again, that's like a way that Montrose kind of, I think also fails the situation again, you know, instead of showing a little bit of, you know, love to his son and understanding how difficult this is also for him, you know, he gets defensive and tries to, you know, almost beat it out of him again. Right. Like, you know, he's, you know, he's going to show me respect and that's just like the nature of their relationship. They're just always fighting and they never can just have a conversation and and like hash things out uh, without it getting heated. Yeah. And it's always awkward when the two of them are around because they never do talk about those things. Um, but you know, which, which is a great, you know, I can't stand it as somebody who watches and empathizes with imaginary characters better than I do with real people. Um, (laughs) I can't stand it, especially, you know, I haven't had the same experiences with my father as you have with yours, but you know, I know what it's like to like, there's something in the air that you two haven't spoken about and now you have to be in the same place as each other. And it's fucking terrible yeah and um you know there's a lot of that going on and i wish i would have gotten to see more of atticus discovering and working through those feelings like hippolyta did you know for 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 her for her arc you know there's yeah we just see we just see atticus kind of get angry again which you know is a repeated thing that happens now and then he's off screen until he comes back and goes oh i have to talk to christina and and that's kind of it. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just wish he, he had a little more going on. It would have been nice. It would have been nice. But I think they explore this later on. Uh, spoiler alert. So you know, but uh, you know, it, and that's well, kind of in Atticus's personality now is that he's always angry. He's always lashing out. You know, he's becoming his father in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the way he talks to Letitia, the way he he talks to um, you know the people around him. It's just. He, he can be very aggressive and very toxic, and, and that's exactly how he grew up. Yeah. Is there anything else to discuss about him other than that? Other than he's like... This is where Gia comes to his house, right? Or to uh, oh, this house. Yeah, fucking Atticus right? again with Gia. And this it's really hurt me, man. This was like so hard him, to man. watch. I was he's like... such a piece of shit. I know. He's such a hateful person. <laughs> you know, she comes to him because she loves him. You know, she really, truly loves him, and she wants to help him because she knows that, you know... Uh, she saw that he was going to die and, you know, he, she knows he's in danger and, you know, she comes to help him out. And, and Letitia, who is obviously, you know, upset, but still treats Gia with more respect than Atticus does somehow, um, you know, is having a conversation with her. And Atticus is like, fuck, <laughs> you know, he walks in, he's like, oh, man, this is awkward. But, you know, they have their, their conversation <laughs> and he's just so brutal to her he tells her what they had wasn't real and he you know he tells her to get the fuck out what does she want from him you know she's not welcome there and, and you know it's it's uh it's really heartbreaking and Leti- he's like why are you here and Leti- Leticia notices it Letty notices it. she's like you know she loves you you know I could see it in her eyes it's it's you know she's here to help you and, and that was the realest thing in the world I feel like she saved his fucking life in in Korea and and he's just going to say what we had meant nothing, you know? Yeah. I mean, she forgave him for the monster he was, and he couldn't forgive her for the monster she was, you know, not to hit the nail on the nose, but like, that's, 
That's I mean on the head, on the nose. <laughs> they also have many body parts. <laughs> yeah, and they have so many body parts. On its head, much like ours are. So, but yeah. like you know, like and I know she's literally like a type of monster, but it, it's like, and I know that was shocking for him, but you know, he fucking murdered people. He committed war crimes and against her friends and family. Yeah, and, and he thinks that like. Her being a monster is what Letty has a problem with. I feel like that's not what Letty has an issue with. No, no. But he's like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a fucking, you know, nine-tailed demon fox. Blah blah blah. Like, well, then they go like him and Letty go upstairs and they have this big blowout argument like usual because that's what he does. Uh, it is. You know, and he's like, we're surrounded by monsters, but there's so much more to that statement than I think literally monsters. I think it means. Well, they are literally surrounded by monsters. Um, they're surrounded by they magic. They are literal Lovecraft. Yeah, monsters, you know, yes. but they're also surrounded by by white supremacy and hatred. You know, this is the same episode. You know, in a minute, we'll probably talk about Emmett Till, um, and and you know, he he's recognized this hatred all around them. He's been a part of hatred. He's committed acts of war out of hatred. You know, so he he does understand that this is a very horrible world they live in and and there's constant you know violence and monsters all around them and i i think he wants to just protect his family and he doesn't know how it's it 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 is difficult uh to 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 see him act this way and still have to like cheer for him somehow yeah, yeah um but uh but yeah we when we do learn a little more about how his father grew up we also see like oh so that's what you were projecting yeah exactly i mean like his fathers are you know they're they're all a, a product of the of hatred that they've experienced like you know especially being people of color and um you know just just experiencing all these things that that a lot of other people don't have to specifically white people yeah exactly and like and i think that when like that was a great observation when he says like we're surrounded by monsters like yes literal monsters yes um you know like white supremacy but like it's kind of like in a way the world is full of monsters you're the weird one if you're not one so that's why you have to kind of become one like montrose has become a monster and if if i can be so bold as to say this goes into d's storyline perfectly her whole storyline is about fighting off becoming a monster as well Right, it is. Yeah, so so D, for those of you who don't remember either, is uh, once again in one episode they do such a great job with her. Yeah. Uh, her name is, uh, you know, she's Diana. She is, uh, who is she to take again? His his cousin. Yes, that, his, that's his cousin. Well, okay. it might be his cousin, or it might be his half sister. Oh yeah, that's right. Because yeah, because of course there is the theory that uh, you know that we explored from the previous episodes that George might actually be the father of um, of of Atticus. Oh, and actually, I think it gets revealed in this episode that Montrose believes that's more than likely actually. But um, but yeah. So so this episode starts off with the funeral of Emmett Till, and it is such a graphic representation, and I think. I think it's done very well because of that. Uh, the name of the episode is Jigabobo. Uh, I think it's you know a play on the word Jigaboo, which is a um, which is a, a you know a slur against black people. Uh, but also Bobo was the nickname of Emmett Till, and I didn't realize until I looked it up a little later. But Emmett Till was in a previous episode, in like the third episode, just as Bobo, just as a regular kid. Hang. Uh, oh, I didn't even catch yeah. that. That's cool. Just yeah, just as a regular kid spending some time with his friends, doing the Ouija board and stuff. Um, but yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I think we've gone over it before. But uh, but Emmett Till was was a young black boy who uh, was accused of raping a white woman. Uh, 
I believe accounts say that he that he might have like whistled or, or or just looked her away and she cried rape and uh and they 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 beat him his face looked like didn't even look recognizable you can google it yourself if you want but you know i'll give it's you a trigger warning yeah it it really is disgusting they beat him they shot him uh they they tied him to a cotton gin wheel with barbed wire and 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 drowned him and um you know, we we see a lot of this happen in the episode. When we do see that happen, it's actually not to him, but um, to but you can imagine, them, right? yeah, yeah, and you could you know you could see the the graphic nature of of what was really done. And just the part that really got me was at the beginning, as they're talking about how oppressive the heat is in Chicago, and um, when they're doing the wake, uh, the heat is so bad that you can smell his body all yep. over. Southside, and well, it is just what, what was kind of crazy about. I mean, in real life, was that his mother actually had an open casket uh, for this wake, right? Like she wanted people to see what had been done to him, and you know, this must have been so difficult for her, no, you know, seeing his body like this. And but she forced everyone to see, so they would they would understand, you know, this what an act of hate this was. And I think that was incredibly brave. Um, and incredibly sad that they had to go through this for this this young fourteen year old boy, but uh, you know everyone who came to that wake saw you know with their very own eyes his his body and, and how it had been mutilated. Yeah, because some people don't take it seriously. Some people don't believe it. I don't know how anyone on Southside wouldn't, but like, guess what? Like, this is still a very real problem for us. You know, we can say that we have businesses and we have rights and all this other stuff, but guess what? This is this is a very real problem, and yep. this is how how real it is. This is what they'll do to you. And Dee is here as a kid. She hears people talking about her right behind her as to whether or not it's appropriate for her to be there. She sees the Nation of Islam is coming and making this into into, you know, I don't I don't mean this in a bad way, but making this into a spectacle like, all right, yeah. we're going to use the momentum from this right now and start, you know, drumming up, uh, you know, re- resistance against white supremacy. Like that's their thing. And and also the heat, like everything seems to be coming in together, including the fact that not only is her father dead, but her mom has been missing in time and space and might be dead. Um, so so she is just so stressed out and like. I was thinking to myself, is this the same thing that happens to kids today still? Like, if you were a kid in, what was it, 2010 or 2012? Trayvon Martin? I think it was 2010. I think it was 10. Um, So if you're a black kid during Trayvon Martin, do you start to feel the same way she felt? And we see her going through this grieving process. One, Bobo was was her actual friend, so there's that. But, you know, there are some businesses that are closed, and there are those that aren't, and she's angry at them. She's angry at people who are going to the business instead of being at the wake for for Emmett. Like, she's angry, and I think, you know, we see she doesn't know where to take this anger. Yep. And, and and express it, which is something that we still deal with today when we see black uh, brothers and sisters gunned down, uh, you know, by by white supremacy in, in whatever, you know, whatever name it is. If it's if it's police, uh, if it's police brutality, if it's um, if it's vigilante violence, you know, whatever it might be, right. it's still very fresh. And and what does Montrose say about it? Because I know you wrote it down. Uh, yeah. Right in my memories. He says he just says it's important for her to for her to see it, right? Damn it, man! I thought I, that one. I I thought because you usually write down the quotes, but yeah, pretty much. He says that he says ain't no getting around this. Every Negro's rite of passage in this country, like guess yeah. what? At every you know at, at 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 some point in your life, you're gonna have to go through this, and so it's better for her to go through it earlier. And 
um, you know, while she's while she's out trying to make sense of this, she gets accosted by uh, some of the cops who are also getting involved with magic, stuff. which is so very typical of a situation, though, right? Like, like you know, you go out and you try to make sense of this. Either you protest or you're you're out in the street, and what do the police do? They roll up on you, right? I mean, when this first the scene first played out, I didn't even realize it was going to be related to the magic. I thought they were just like, oh, there's a black girl around. Let's go, let's go, you know, fuck with her. And then it, it turned out it was even more. They were specifically looking for her because they had found, you know, uh, the, the comic book that she wrote. Um, and, and, you know, and I was just like, man, that's that's just so typical of the police to, to, to come up and, and accost her. And then, of course, they put this this horrifying curse on her. That's, you oh, know, man. oh, my the God. Of all curses, dude. This is, now this was like, this was Jordan Peele level stuff. Yeah, everyone's like, Jordan this is Peele Jordan sweating. Peele. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Um, it's like It I, Follows meets Us. Oh, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, it was very, very uh, It Follows. And, and very, uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, but I, I do want to give a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, of historical context. A uh, big part of this is the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, which at a certain point, Dee starts seeing the characters from Uncle Tom's Cabin. Like, literally in the book, she starts seeing them kind of, like, as these monstrous characters. Like, kind of the way I think white America really wants them to be perceived. And then she starts seeing them in real life, which is part of the curse. So... A uh, little bit about Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uh, it was written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. It was published in 1852. The story follows um, a, a, a slave who who saves this white girl and in turn is purchased by her father. They become very close. And uh, on her dying, on her deathbed, her dying wish is that this that all of the slaves her father has are freed. Before her father can free all of his slaves and honor his dead daughter, he gets into an accident, dies, all the slaves are sold off, and the slave in question, uh, Tom, he he is he's sold uh, to a very brutal owner, and he's whipped to death for refusing to give out the whereabouts of two female runaways. So, uh, you know, a big part of this book was actually to to garner support for abolition and expose uh, the how 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 terrible slavery really is, and. Um, I just I just want to mention how like we brought it up in the Halloween episode and I might have brought it up since then but like how media is such an important part of our society and you know as I was learning about it I know I mentioned uh, probably last episode or the one before that I was talking about black hair right Ty and like yep. how you know and like the, the the history that that comes with it and how um you know while I was learning a little bit more about it I discovered that like the way that black people were presented in entertainment kind of normalized black people's hair in real life. So if somebody had cornrows on a TV show, it kind of helped normalize cornrows in real life. Like it, it helped make black hair okay. And of course here we have Uncle Tom's Cabin garnering a, a lot more support for abolition by showing the depravity of, of slavery. Um and, uh, you know, so just just know that, like, next time somebody says, why does it matter that there's a gay character here? Why does it matter that there's a trans character? Why does it matter that any anyone is represented other than a white cis uh, person? It's because that helps public image. It helps it helps change the zeitgeist from from someone seeing the myth. Right. Ty, the myth of a black person on, on this TV show, uh, you know, versus, uh, you know, like the. the Maybe they see black people more on their TV and they're like, oh, well, wow, I actually, you know, that, I don't feel threatened by this one. It helps like make, you, make it more real, you know, make, yeah. them, make them seem like, like you said, actual people 
uh, instead of, you know, something that you read about or heard about that wasn't true, you know? Uh, Which is, it's unfortunate that that does have to be done, but, you know, at least that, that does do something. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and like, I, I think it really does help, you know, shows like Family Matters, right? You know, like seeing, a, you know, an American black family growing up. And, you know, I think it made a lot of people go, oh, like, you know, they're just like us, you know, they're just trying to, trying yeah, to get yeah, through life, you know, like, you know, it's just those, make it. those kind of things, I yeah. think, really help um, bring people together in a way that, you know, dispels, like you said, these myths that, that are told about them. Um, and uh, yeah, it's important. I do think also that. Uh, no matter how good of intention something might have, you can't really control how it's going to be used by other people. And in this case, there are a couple uh, characters, Topsy and Bobsy. Uh, Topsy is only a minor character, but her cultural impact is clear. She's described in the book as eight or nine years old, and besides being very black, had round, shining eyes, glittering as glass beads, and woolly hair braided into little tails, which stuck out in every direction. She was dressed in rags and spoke in broken English, and is described as an imp of darkness. Topsy's character qualities, other than, you know, her her physical, uh, terrible, exaggerated caricature of what a black child was, um, she she also was meant to reflect intellectual capability because she she was mischievous and she could and she was a, a thief like. But, you know, when well-meaning white people write things about black people or, or anyone else who's not a white white person sometimes it, it doesn't it doesn't come out too well and and this character yeah. you know was taken and made into a stereotype you know the type of person who you know the type of negro who's gonna dance for you and you know and uh and and is, is really mischievous and you gotta watch them otherwise they might steal and unfortunately like that negative image of black kids of being like simple and and unkempt it still persists it's you know just from those serialized depictions of like um you know minstrel uh, characters and also in like sambo and the little rascal buckwheat uh so so th- these are the characters, except they are incredibly exaggerated. They have these long, sharp nails. They have these bright, glowing eyes. They they're dressed in rags, and they you know they have the oh god, are their teeth sharper or their mouths just red? It might be a bit of both, because uh, they have like lipstick smeared over their lips, which is you know obviously a reference to minstrel characters. And then yeah, these teeth, and they move like like. Uh, like like horror movie like you know those ghosts when they look like the, what what would you describe that as? I so like I I don't even know how like they they just look like these vicious little monstrous beings and I I think the way they move adds to how creepy they are I think that's really oh, what, what nails it yeah you know um it's very very us if you've seen that film like they kind of like dance and they. You know, they they move kind of gracefully and quick and then slow and then you know but it's also very like, like staccato and stop motiony. It is yeah, very it's creepy. just it's so bizarre. It'd be so one funny. thing if they were just like walking towards you, but like they're doing all these creepy moves and you know throughout the episode it's done so well. It's it it's legitimately scary in a way that this show hasn't really done uh, for me at least. And, and my girlfriend typically isn't scared of stuff, and even she was like. That's really creepy, you know. They they were they're moving in the background, you know. They're they're dancing around down the alleyway, or you know, she'll be she'll be going up to her house and she'll be like behind you, and and no one will see it. And again, like it follows, and nobody else can see it. And here they come, you know, dancing down. She's just barely getting away, time and time again. And they keep playing that uh, 
that I, I think it's a song, right? Knock, like knock, uh, let me in, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and it's just it's just done so so well, and you know she she's just constantly being chased, and uh, oh, the scene in the alleyway really freaked me out. Is that they're getting closer and closer to her, and she she doesn't even know they're behind her. It was uh, it was so well done. Oh, but oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I think I think when you take a person, right, like a right, and it's kind of what what I think we talked about with zombies a little bit in our in our um, Dawn of the Dead podcast. You know, you take something that is, uh, you know, supposed to be like a regular person, and you just change enough of their features to make them look monstrous. There's something terrifying about turning that lens on us that it, it, it's just so it's so creepy and unsettling. Yeah, and uh, I think the the article I have linked in the show notes puts it puts it pretty well here. They say. Topsy and Bobsy are what all black children look like to racist white folks. Something wicked and less than human. Mm. It's possible that Lancaster, I believe that's the cop, chose this specific imagery to project his vision of Diana onto her. But it's more likely that Diana, in response to the trauma of losing her best friend to racial violence, manifested her fear of what she looks like to the outside world as an angry, tired, traumatized black girl. Oh, yeah. That's so sad. And, um, yeah, and and that's that's kind of how I was viewing it too. Just like that, it's this version of you that, like, now she finally is reconciling with the fact that all right, this is what white people see us as. They see us as a threat, and you know they see us as this type of person. But also, like, if she gets angry, she has to make sure she's not that girl. If she becomes a performer, she has to make sure she's not that girl. Like, and it's just something that all black people have to kind of live with the fact that, like, you're constantly trying not to perpetuate the stereotype that's automatically cast on you and that thereby in, inciting aggression, like inherent aggression from you because you're just kind of born oppressed. You're, you're born a suspect, as Chris Rock says in his stand up. Yep, you know? exactly. Uh, you know, her her arc also involves actually getting infected uh, by by these demons because Montrose is an idiot. Um, <laughs> like he goes to find her and then um, and then like holds her completely still, not knowing these things are there, uh, taking her. Oh, there's this whole thing with Mont. There's the whole thing with the spell they do, right? Tell me you fucking remember what the spell was about. Yeah, yeah. Right, so God. they were trying to do a spell, I think, Mont- Montrose and, uh, and and Atticus to protect their family. But it doesn't work, or so they think, right? They, they I don't think they even really fully understand what they're doing, but they know that it will protect their family. And then oh, yeah, the- maybe we didn't mention it. Uh, but also Atticus, out of the portal that takes Hippolyta on her journey, uh, he finds a book called Lovecraft Country, which is written by his son. Uh, so he yeah. knows that Letty is pregnant, um, which oh, which is also a thing. Uh, Letty is pregnant with his with his, <laughs> with his child, and um, well, what's know. interesting is that it, 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 the child's name is George. So when you first see the book, you think it was written by his uncle, and you're like, oh, that's pretty meta, uh, you know. And then once he reveals it's his son, you're like, oh, that makes sense. But there's there's certain differences, right? And he says, Christi- I, I think they mentioned in this episode, Christina's a a boy yes. in it, and. Uh, I think D's also a boy in it. Um, Uncle George is not dead; he's still alive. So there's like there's like certain like differences in the book, but otherwise it's their story. Uh, but yeah, so the the police, the ones who cursed D, you know, she actually confronts them, and uh, she won't help them with what they want, so they won't lift the curse. They decide they're gonna go just shoot up um, basically the uh, lady's house, house, right? Yeah. They go they go there and they can't go inside because there's magic protecting it. So they just light it up. And Atticus shows up. 
And, uh, you know, Lenny had actually made a deal with Christina to be invulnerable. So her and her child are protected. They can't be killed. Um, Christina wouldn't do it for Atticus, though. And, you know, it's this moment that Atticus is, is staring down the barrel of a gun like so many, you know, black people do in America today with, with yep, police. And a bunch of cops. Just he's he's right about to be shot. And one of those Lovecraftian monster things pops out of the ground and saves him. One so the, the spell yeah, like did wild work. dog demons with multiple eyes is there. Yep. <sighs> with with so, skin of black. Yep, the spell worked. You know, it's uh, not what they probably expected, but uh, the creature does protect him. And then it goes on a cop murdering spree where it just oh, what a, viciously what a, and it's actually really cool it's well done it um i really enjoyed uh, how they did it was pretty i was wondering hor- what you would think because i remember when they first popped up you were like what the fuck is this and like yeah, i was it, like it was huh, so cheesy I what Ty's gonna say about this. but this was kind of cool i dug it. it they did it a little better i thought it looked cool i think just having the one was nice um yeah so that was uh that was pretty wild so you know the spell did work and they they created this creature that would protect them and and thus it does it saves them from these police officers um and protects them. And we also find out at one point here that Montrose is dyslexic. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, th- there, there's an interesting arc with Montrose here in that we do discover that, like, he really does love his family and his legacy. And, um, you know, I think it is in this episode, the Emmett Till episode, that, you know, he talks about, like, it's a man who has a son, a man who has a family. Like, he wanted to be a father so bad, and it's yep. just a shame that he wanted it because he wanted it to validate his own masculinity. But, right. you know, that being said, he he is a man, and he does love his family, and that's why, you know, when they're doing all this fucking spell talk, you know, he's like, <laughs> I'll be the one to, you know, to 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 do it, and I'll put myself at risk. And Because it turns out there's this whole thing with Atticus, and Christina wants to sacrifice him for her immortality on the autumnal equinox, which, you know, Montrose, <laughs> if this man doesn't know his equinoxes and his black history, because he was like, oh, the autumnal equinox is in five days. <laughs> the language of Adam. This shit, I don't know. This is why I always tune out. I'm like, all right, Same, whatever. Like, what, I, I don't I, know. I tune out. It's it's like the Khaleesi uh, moments in, in Game yeah. of Thrones. <laughs> yes. You know, which sucks. But how arc good? is actually great. but It is. Story. How good is Michael Kenneth Williams in this show? Oh like, my he god, is dude. so good as Montrose. He, like, he really is, and I wonder if that actually makes the other actors have to take it up a notch because because yeah. I'm seeing stellar performances from everybody in here, and um, yeah, you know that's uh, you know I do like the moment where he also he's reading through the spell book, I think it is, and he and he mentions that he's dyslexic, and it's it's a little it's a dropped line. You wouldn't really think much of it, but it kind of reminded me of Freddie Gray because there was a narrative about him after after uh, he had his spine shattered by police officers in Baltimore a few Ugh. years ago, and um and. And like one of those narratives was just talking about how like he had grown up in housing projects that had lead paint and like he had actually had a history all throughout his entire educational career as somebody with disabilities, somebody with learning disabilities and educational deficits. And, you know, just the type of person that that made him because his life ended up leading to selling drugs and in turn right. that, you know, led to him being, you know, being murdered by police. So, um you know, just just that kind of made me think like, oh, I wonder what Montrose's life would have been like just even if his education was different, if he had better access, you know, if he had the kind of support that a dyslexic person should have as opposed to, you know, who he ended yeah, up Yeah, I, I heard it's a bigger part of the book. It's revealed earlier, and I think it, it does have some moments. Uh, so I guess they wanted to throw oh, it in because it's important to his character. That's pretty but cool. Not, and I yeah. mean, in the book, the characters aren't black either, right? Uh, I think they are. Oh, they are? 
Oh, it was written recently, right? Yeah, it's it's not it's not by Lovecraft. It's by it's by okay. someone else. So. Okay, sorry then. Yeah, it was it only came out in like twenty sixteen or something. So okay, okay then. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. All good, all good. But uh, but yeah. So oh, that's interesting. I wonder maybe that'll be one of the audio booches we do is we could do Lovecraft Country. It's one book, right? Ooh, that could be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. I don't yeah, know, maybe that, that might be a good one. We'll put it there uh, when and if we ever get patrons. Um, yeah. But yeah, so 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 he's a family man. He's super gay. That's his arc. And then we also yeah. have Ruby's arc. But she confronts her own inner white. Well, Ruby's supremacy. interesting, right? Because she's she's greatly affected by seeing Emmett Till, and she goes to Christina's, and she's confronted also, by a white William, man immediately. To remind you guys. Yeah, yeah, she's confronted by a white man immediately, who's like, "What are you oh, doing yeah. here?" Blah blah blah. And then William slash Christina shows up and is like, "Oh, I know her. Don't worry about it." And the guy's like, "Oh, I just want to make sure." So you know, she goes inside. Can I and... stop you right there, real quick? Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be one of those hour and a half episodes. People, strap in with us. Um, <laughs> because oh, also I forgot to mention that the the Topsy and Bobsy characters are uh, known as the Pickinini trope. I know there's a variety of different minstrel tropes. Uh, you know, the Jigaboo, the Coon, the the Mammy, uh, the Pickinini yep. is the character that Topsy is representing. But um, but the the thing I actually wanted to mention was once again another dropped line. But we read between them here, don't we? Is that the man who pulls up says like, oh, you know, I know there's all that business on the south side and by business he literally just means a funeral for a boy who was massacred right. by white men uh but you know to him it's like oh like who knows what this means like he's like i want to make sure it doesn't make its way up here and like it's just fucking i hate that narrative so much it's still something that you hear today when people are like oh in case these protesters make their way into my neighborhoods like guess what they, they fucking won't they don't want to it's got nothing to do with you at least in that way you know like uh um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Like, oh, you know, I wanted to make sure none of that business makes its way over here because, you know, they're just animals rioting. It's but, uh, ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, so exactly. she goes, so she goes in with William and, and what do they do? Uh, well, <laughs> after they have a little bit of heart to heart, they have the most crazy sex scene ever, right? Where heart to heart, they have where she's, she's, pelvis to pelvis. <laughs> she's taking up ocean. She's in the white lady body and then the skin starts peeling off her while they're fucking and. It's uh, it's really weird. Yeah, but, I, don't know, uh, I don't know how I felt about it. Um, yeah, especially because I mean, like hey. I I like Ruby's black version better. Yeah, uh, but also you know she does say that the whole reason she did that she took the potion was because she, on the day of Emmett Till's funeral she didn't want to be the only black woman having sex with a white man. So exactly, she didn't want to be a black woman having sex with a white man. Right. It's uh, you know there's there's a lot to to unpack for her you know and 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 she does confront Christine. Um, and finally say to her like you know do you care do you care what happened to Emmett Till does it matter to you and Christina very bluntly says no you know she doesn't really care about anyone and she says I don't think you do either you know you just you wanted to come here and be what you wanted to be and not worry about Emmett Till or anything else and you know it, it's uh it's it's very shocking I think for Ruby and I'm not sure she even really knows how to respond but, you know, at the same time, there's something that she says to Christina does get through to her because Christina hires someone to kill her in the way that Emma Till was killed, right? So it's a brutal, brutal death. And she's going to come back from it because she's invulnerable. But at the same time, it's just, you know, it's like, why why choose to do that? Yeah, so 
so so so this was this was wild and you know we talked about liberalism being on full display when we reviewed even the rain last time but you know here we we also see it that like we have a white person who appears to be an ally and and she'll also appear to be an ally in the next episode too but she is really just about kind of furthering her own means like her own um sorry her own ends her own means She's about furthering her own agenda. Yeah. And, um, and you know, that is just like the, the, the definition of the white liberal or, or, you know, the establishment Democrat, the person who's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, no, I, I care about you specifically, you black person. But, you know, uh, you know, when I can't necessarily use you to achieve my means, eh, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll paint Black Lives Matter on the road, but we won't actually institute any sort of changes to police exactly. you know, law, law enforcement policy or anything. But, um. But yeah, uh, and it, it was so. This is where I said, like, you see this woman get the shit beaten out of her. She gets shot. She the barbed wire, everything. And uh, I didn't know until the end of this that she was actually uh, immortal. Or I guess she's in. I guess she has the mark of Cain to bring herself back or something. Yep. Yeah. Okay. She keeps but casting she's not, that spell. Okay, but she's not fully immortal yet. So um, what, what it does is it, it heals you. She said she was the one that discovered it heals you, so you can use it to heal wounds, but. At the same time, I think you have to cast it over and over again, or I don't know. You know, it can be reversed with magic. She's she's not invulnerable forever. It can be it can be reversed. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of magic, and literally every time they say the word magic, I I kind of start turning <laughs> the other way. Yeah. Even though there is literal magic, but um, but yeah. So so this reminded me of a thought I had recently. Uh, it was actually just yesterday, and it's this: 2020 is the is the year of of like the great equalizer. Because um, it's the year that a lot more white people are getting to discover what it's like to be a person of different means to, oh, well, for reasons beyond me, I have now lost my job and I'm in a fucked up spot. I'm on unemployment. I'm one of those people who I kept criticizing before. Um, you know, now all of my all of my friends and family are canceling events. You know, this, this happened with my in-laws. My mother-in-law said it was depressing that, you know, this year the two big parties her family has in Chris, uh, during Christmas won't be able to be had. And, um, and, and don't get me wrong. It is sad. I, I mostly enjoy going to those. But... Um, I know this is a stretch, but it made me think of the Japanese internment camps that we had in the United States. Interesting. And I want to say they were up for two years. And for those two years, I'm sure they had to do Christmas a different way. I'm sure they had to do things, uh, you know, like New Year's yeah. a different way. I'm sure they, you know, I remember George, George <laughs> the East. Yeah, exactly. Like George Takei saying, like, you know, in, on his Facebook post back when I followed him, but, you know, also big time liberal, it's a little tough to sometimes, mm, uh, yeah. you know, you know, him saying, like, you know, this is how we celebrated these holidays for two years and blah, blah, blah. And it's just occurred to me, like, like, you motherfuckers don't even know what you're in for. Like, you like you like I understand that everybody has hard times, but the way in which so many more people are struggling now due to COVID-19 and the gross mishandling of the pandemic by an incompetent uh, commander in chief, like now so many more people are seeing it and 2020 is hitting them much like these guys are, yeah. are hitting are hitting Christina. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just me, but like. You know, once again, like guess, like I've had people, you know, I've heard people complaining. Oh, you know, we can't do this, blah blah. It hasn't been a fucking year, dude. It hasn't been a year. Like yeah. if you, you know, just like you know, uh, 
Just like Ramsey says, right? If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> like, like that's like, you you know, yeah. you really haven't been. Like, shit can get so much worse. You know, the Black Plague lasted for how many years? We're not even one year through. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've lost my mind and, you know, but, like, I'm still not one of the people who's like, oh, man, you know, the virus, you know, <laughs> like... It it does huh. suck, but I don't know. It it definitely affects people in different ways. Um, it's I've de- I've experienced depression for the first time in my life this year, not directly because of the virus, but I think it's just part of a lot of stuff. That's oh, happened I'm sure. This year. So, yeah, there's you know, there's connections. So I don't know. I, you know, it's it's a hard one. I definitely, but it, you know, like you said, it could be worse. I I think it's just uh, when people's life gets upended, it's it's very uh, it's confusing and upsetting and like you said for a lot of people who have been so privileged and so lucky that i have to experience this stuff it's it's very difficult but if you look at history you know uh being a black person you know in in the 17 1800s being you know a slave think about that right or or not even having any rights in in the early to mid 1900s it's you know it could be worse so yeah or you know or even even among among class too like there there are definitely white people who have, who have had it rough and you know, but like, for some that, that's who Christina's the... story. That that that's exactly what her story. Right? Like, yeah. she's always like, "Oh, like I, I'm a woman. I don't have the same you know privileges as my dad, and I couldn't be this." But like, you're still a white person, a white rich person in America. Yeah, she is so... of means. Her father was a fucking warlock. Like, you know, you're, yeah. So as bad as it magic, is, like, but it's still... way worse for everyone else. So. Yeah, and I mean, no, like, like I, I do understand it sucks, but I guess the difference is also like, and I, I, I don't know how to present this in in a way other than like coming off as arrogant. I really don't mean it to, but like, you know, I'm not, you know, it's been rare that I've spent Christmas in the same place two years in a row. Like right. for me, Christmas is different pretty much every fucking year, you know. Um. And you, your fucking house burned down on Christmas when you were, what, 13, 12? Uh, I want to say 14. I want to say 14. 14. Christmas Eve, or was it Christmas Day? Uh, I think it was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, your fucking house burned down. Like, at least this year, that's a lot less likely to happen. We'll see what happens, but, like, <laughs> you know. Or maybe more likely. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, who does know? It's fucking commie. Let me get him. But, um. But yeah, so so that's kind of what this said to me. Like it was finally a white person experiencing what it's like to be be a black person, and um, yeah, she got it, and she even tried to fight back a couple times, which I liked. Yeah, like she yeah. like like all right, like is there any way to do this? Because we do hear from a lot of you know victim blamers that like regardless of the atrocity, like oh why didn't you fight back? Blah blah blah. But like she just didn't stand a fucking chance, and she's an adult, nope. you know. She is never yep. mind a kid like like Emmett Till, but uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the end, she comes. She comes back, and you know, f- she was able to 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 bring herself back, and uh, and you know, the big thing becomes how do we, you know, what's going to happen to D now that she's infected with this Piccaninny demon curse, and and how do we save her? Where is Hippolyta? Yes, and uh, yeah. Any anything on any of the other characters you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good. I think uh, I think we'll be able to explore a lot more in the next two episodes. Oh yeah, I mean, I was. I was caught off guard by a lot of this, by a lot of this stuff, um, in a in a good way. The Hippolyta stuff I loved. The Emmett Till stuff was very effective. And then next right. episode takes us right back to where we were with uh, Watchmen from HBO. It yep. takes us back to Tulsa, 1921. Ooh. Uh, because I love me some time travel, and uh, man, it, it's amazing to see just characters confront their their trauma but i'll, I'll right. leave it at that and we'll have episodes nine and ten later we will you know what we're gonna do the grinch at some point this month right 
We will. We will a definitely do the Grinch. The, a version, a couple versions in one week. Yeah. Who knows? But we'll, we'll do the Grinch. We're going to have fun with it. That being said, uh, remember that you can listen to us, rate and review us on a variety of different apps. Uh, you know, I would suggest Apple Podcasts if you can, but we're on, you know, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it. Um, you were on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at PolitiPopPod, Instagram at PolitiPopPodcast. Uh, email us at PolitiPopCast at gmail.com. Find our show notes and sources, as always, at PolitiPopPodcast.wordpress.com. Fucking subscribe to our Patreon, guys. We have an audiobook coming. Uh, we have custom yeah. art and everything. We have bonus episodes. We have watch-alongs. If we actually, if we get one patron, I will do a watch-along this month. Hell yeah. It'll be worth your time. Do it. Yes, it's going to be fun. Just us, us talking. And, uh... It's gonna be a fun time, but that being maybe I'll, said, I'll even be there if I can too. They, we'll and, make it real special. Oh baby, look, it'll, it'll be like like you won like you won us in um in an auction and taking you out. That's that's it. right. You know, um, but yeah, for the Politipop podcast, I have been Mike Booch, and I have been Ty. Remember, no matter what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to, never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And see. Oh, thank you.